0: Psychiatrist, Dr. Miriam Grossman is a truth teller. She says that we are a nation that is lost in trans madness. The price parents and our children are paying for this madness is staggering. Dr. Grossman joins us today to help moms understand this transgender contagion and protect their families. Welcome to the moms for America podcast. Each week, special guests tackle the issues facing the moms of America today. Discussions include personal stories and advice on how moms can build a strong foundation of faith, family, and freedom in their homes and country. Hi, moms. Welcome once again. I'm Debbie Krulatis, your host, and I'm so glad that you've joined us again this week. Thank you for stopping by. Right here at the top of the show, I always do want to invite all our moms to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. Uh, Please do that. I mean, today, incredible interview with Dr. Grossman, so I'm really thrilled to have her on the show, and I want you sharing this far and wide. Also, our moms, uh, if you're not involved with Moms for America here, I do want to invite you to join the movement here. We are moms uniting all across the country to fight for family, faith, freedom, and the Constitution. We are the ultimate support group for you, mom. So please come by, check us out at momsforamerica.us, uh, join the movement and be a part of our sisterhood. We all know that there's challenging times. Uh, these are challenging times and we need a lot of support and information around us as moms. Also, if you have a idea or a topic that you would like me to discuss on the podcast, would you email me at podcast at momsforamerica.net Again, that is podcast at America, podcast at momsamerica.net, so we can um, put that into the consideration. I'd love, uh, love to hear from everyone. On to today's program. We have the incredible <laughs> Dr. Miriam Grossman joining us today. She is a board-certified child and adolescent psychiatrist. Well, back in 2009, she warned parents about sex education in her book, You're Teaching My Children What?, And I mean that what, we understand that now. Her practice currently focuses on gender distressed young people and their parents. She has been very vocal about the capture of her profession by gender activists, which is leading to dangerous and experimental treatments on children. These treatments are betraying parents as well. Her latest book is Lost in Trans Nation, A Child Psychiatrist's Guide out of the madness. Well, thank you, Dr. Grossman, for joining us today. We are thrilled to have you. I know you are so busy. So thank you for taking time out of your schedule to join the Moms for America Mamas. Oh,
1: you are welcome. I'm also a mom for America.
0: <laughs> That's right. You want to tell us a little bit about you being a mom? Are you a grandma? Let it, We'd love to know a little bit about everybody.
1: Yeah, I am a grandma. Um, I don't know. My life right now, pretty much almost 24-7, is uh, is fighting this terrible ideology, belief system. In my book, I call it a belief system. My book is called uh, Lost in Trans Nation, A Child Psychiatrist's Guide Out of the Madness. I am a child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. I have been helping kids and families for almost 40 years. That's a long time. It is. And I have, you know, I have helped. I have known I've been involved with thousands and thousands of families. Mm-hmm. More recently, I have been dedicated to those families who have a child who is unhappy with being a boy or a girl. Yeah. And I say boy or girl, because those are the only two options. Yeah. Um, our kids are being bombarded with this idea of being born in the wrong body of Mm. the possibility of being neither male or female of there being an unlimited number of possibilities of um sometimes the need to medicalize and live your life as the opposite sex stop your puberty take estrogen to stop you know all about it your audience knows all about that
0: right yeah our moms are are dealing with this more than we can imagine, right? And I'd love to just dive into to some of these uh, discussion points with you. Again, thank you, doctor, for being a, a champion for truth. Um, you start your book, which we just talked about, and we're going to make sure that everyone knows that they can get this and, and read this on their own. But you start your book with some very important truths that you want everyone to realize. Um, we wouldn't think that these would be uh, controversial, um, but you talk about these truths. And I like to go over them because I think that this is the foundation point that we need to start the discussion with right sex is not assigned at birth it's established at conception
1: yep you said it i mean we're you know our kids are being told over and over again by the way that's called indoctrination yeah when you when you tell someone something that is not true over and over over. again and you don't leave room for discussion for questions when you present things as facts that -hmm. are not facts. So that's a perfect example. Sex is assigned at birth is what our kids are being told. Sex is not assigned at birth. You know, I testified to this um, in Congress in June, this past June. Isn't it appalling that Mm -hmm. a doctor needs to be brought in front of, in in a hearing in the House of Representatives and needs to testify to the fact that sex is not assigned at birth. It is established and it is permanently established at conception. Isn't yeah. that appalling? But that is the point at which we are right now in this country. So yes, you're, of course, you're right. Sex is established, male or female is established the moment that the egg and the sperm unite.
0: Right. Now, that's, where it's, that's where it's all begins. Exactly.
1: That's where it all begins. And Deb, I want to point out to your audience of moms and others. I'm sure that there's also yeah. other others that are not moms in your audience, right. that school is starting soon. And that yeah. in my patient population, the kids and the families that I've seen in my office over the past three years or so that have this issue, this crisis in their family, and I asked the child, where did you first hear about this idea? Where did you first learn that there's mm-hmm. such a thing as being born in the wrong body? And they tell me at school.
0: Right. It's crazy. The world is completely upside down. And we, we were shocked to where we're at. Um, but this agenda has been rolling for decades. What about the fact about the brain? This is these three truths. I just want to have you just mention these about the brain always matches the bodies to which they are attached. Um, this is another fake message that's going out the opposite of this, right?
1: That's right. And there are books out there that are written for preschoolers that say things like, uh, like Jazz Jennings book, where it says, uh, I I have a girl's brain but a boy's body. Hmm. Impossible, folks. Right. Impossible. That does not happen. That's like saying, you know, I have a boy's body but a but a girl's hand. You know, it's it's one or the other. There right. are there's a very small number of people, 0.02% of babies that are born, you could say we call intersex now. Mm-hmm. This condition of intersex very very rare but even those people are are either male or female they their their reproductive systems are right. organized around producing either eggs or sperm we are mammals okay human beings are mammals and mammals are sexually dimorphic either male or female you do not have one part of your body being male and the other part of your of you being female Can you have a psychiatric condition called gender dysphoria in which you uh, are not comfortable with your body? Yes, that certainly does exist. But that doesn't mean that you have the wrong brain or the wrong body. That is a dangerous message that our kids are getting. And Mm -hmm. I want to give parents the heads up. Before school starts, they need to know what's going on in the schools. Yes. And I have a chapter in my book that is devoted specifically to what is happening in schools? It's terrifying. It is. What the school? There are activists in our kids' schools, and they right. are. They, I have to say, they're like crusaders. Right. Okay, because this is like a religion. I it know is like their
0: religion. It's they're so passionate about it. It's it's, and it's so. I mean, it is just so crazy. We talk so much about this in the schools, and we constantly are telling our moms to evaluate the education system and social media and everything else that's coming at our children, because they're all coming in with this indoctrination, this, this new ideas that, and and they're not new, they're old, but they're being pushed and they're just so um, brazen and they're so bold.
1: Right. Which Um, is, I'm sorry, let me, I'll just throw in for one second, which is why I wrote mm -hmm. this book for parents. It's not a book for professionals. You don't need a PhD to read my book. It's for regular moms and dads who just want to protect their children from these dangerous ideas. You do not want your child thinking for even a moment that maybe they were born in the wrong body. This is a dangerous idea for children to hear and giving parents the tools to protect their families from these things and one of the most important thing they can do because school's about to start. You read that, that one chapter. I know everyone's busy. Okay. Mm -hmm. I just want them to read that one chapter on schools so that they are not naive. So they understand how things are working now in schools Mm -hmm. and how schools are undermining the parent child relationship. They are. are placing a wedge between parents and the between kids and their loving parents. And I am giving parents the tools. In fact, there's a form. I just want to tell your families that are listening. There's a form on my website. My website is MiriamGrossmanMD.com. You go to that website. You find a form that you, it's written by attorneys that are specialized in this subject of parental rights. You are going to put the school on notice. Yes. I don't care. I don't care how old your kid is. I don't care if your kid is going into kindergarten. You need to be telling that school. You will not allow your child to be exposed to these ideas. You want a heads up whenever the school is going to be introducing any sort of material, lectures, videos. You do not permit your child to be listening to this stuff. And there's a whole list of things there that parents can print it out, sign it, deliver it to the principal of your school. Mm -hmm.
0: You know what we're going to do, doctor, when we send this out in the newsletter to all of our moms all across the country, we're going to put a hyperlink right into that so they can click right on it, see what it is, because we are about educating our moms and giving them the tools that they need, because it's it's an overwhelming culture right now to raise kids in. But I know I only have you for a limited amount of time. I do want to talk... About this, uh, this ideology, I know that you actually are calling it evil, um, because you have seen, um, you've seen it for years, you've seen where it has progressed and grown to. Um, You you don't mince words when you come to this, because you're seeing how horrific it is in the in the the destruction that's happening to these children.
1: That's right. That's right. I mean, I've been a doctor for a long time. I've written five books. And I have never use the word evil. I've talked about some pretty bad stuff because mm-hmm. I wrote a book about sexuality education and what our kids are being told under the guise of health education, nothing to do with health, but I never used the word evil. And I thought hard about that, you know? Doctors don't usually talk about evil, right? Right. But I, you know, in this case, Having seen what I have seen, I've seen young women in menopause in their teen years. I've seen young women who have had bilateral mastectomies uh, and then realize, you know, they made a mistake, realize that they'll never be able. I mean, they knew they'd never be, they were told, of course, I'll never be able to nurse, but. They were young, like folks. They're too young. You know, they're they're under the influence of this belief system. They're confused. They have depression, anxiety. They've got mm-hmm. a whole slew. they're on the autism spectrum. They mm-hmm. can't give any sort of informed consent about these interventions. And yet the surgeons are ready with their scalpels to yeah. remove. The breasts of little girls that's why i'm calling it evil right i have patients who have had genital surgeries who no longer have a penis who who no longer can have biological children
0: this is evil these uh operations that happen just because you're you're citing some of them um I guess the fact, I guess I want to just kind of start here. Sometimes the parents are, and again, I'm just now talking to to the parents here, to the moms that are listening. Sometimes the the students come home, the students are kids, and they say, I would like to go by a different pronoun. I would like to have a different name. I'm really Debbie, but I would like to be John. I was she, but now I want to be he. Some of these early stages, doctor, this is where I want to start because I think our moms need advice if you start there your your point is do not start with anything affirming as simple as but as complicated as pronouns and names and breast binders these let's 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 start there
1: okay the reason that i'm saying to not uh to not accept those changes that the child is asking for is because it puts them on a path that's one. There's two reasons. Mm-hmm. So one is it sort of puts them on this path forward mm-hmm. that ends in the most extreme interventions, which are the medical ones. That's one reason I don't want them on that path. You see, from the right beginning. the trans
0: journey is that what you call that? Is that the?
1: Yeah, you could call it the the transgender journey. You could call it an identity journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'm, what I'm telling parents to do, and I have a chapter that provides a model conversation, uh, the first conversation that you have with your child on this issue. I am hoping that that conversation will never happen. Mm-hmm. And I give advice in the book about uh, immunizing your family so that these ideas never gain a hold in your family. You know, from early, early on, there's things that you can do. Right. But just, I want to answer your question directly. So in that conversation that I give, I'm telling parents, look, this might be the most difficult conversation or series of conversations you ever have. Okay. This is not an easy thing. Why is it not easy? It's not easy, you see, because once your child comes to you with the belief that they are you know, with this confusion about their identity, and with the belief that they may be the opposite sex, it means that they have already absorbed these ideas. Right. And one of these ideas is that if you don't go along with it, you're a bad
0: person. Right. You see, that's they, part they of the wedge between the parents and the child. That's Boom. right.
1: And it's very black and white. Okay. Yeah. So this belief system this gender ideology this belief system is putting into your child's brain a very black and white way of thinking which appeals to many kids mm-hmm. i mean kids do in general often think in black and white terms meaning uh you know black and white there's just two possibilities there's no gray i either hate or i love this person there mm-hmm. you know you don't see the nuance you know I had a fight with my friend, she's not my friend anymore. Instead of sitting down, well, maybe, you know, people might disagree sometimes, there's also good parts. Kids will often, especially kids on the autism spectrum, which a lot of these kids who fall into gender confusion are on the autism spectrum, they tend to think in a black and white way. So this ideology, this belief system, which they are hearing about often at school, the schools are filled with activists, and they are presenting these ideas in such a like it's a civil rights issue. Anyone that doesn't go with this, anyone that's going to be hesitant to accept your new identity, question it, um, uh, uh, you know, want to proceed slowly with it, right. refuse to refuse to use your name and pronouns that you have just picked, those people are bad are transphobic, are, they're like, they're racist, they're sexist, Mm -hmm. transphobic, bad, bad, bad. Right. So you see, the the, the parent is in a really Mm -hmm. tough position. It is, right. You are walking a tightrope, but it is possible to do. And Mm -hmm. I am giving you the tools. And I want parents to have these tools before the conversation. Right. If possible. Right. And basically, I'm telling parents that you have to uh, that that initially. This is not a time to have an argument. It's mm-hmm. a time to listen, and it's a time to let your child know that you're with them, that you see that it's a it's important to them, mm-hmm. and whatever is important to them
0: is important to you. What you're... age are you suggesting, Doctor? These this conversation begins.
1: Well, I was referring to when a child announces that they okay you know want these changes so that could really be at any at any age. But right, right. in terms of conversations, you can start really, really early. You mm-hmm. know, you can begin telling your your you know preschooler uh that you know you're a boy, you were always a boy. From the moment you were created on this earth, from the very first second that you existed, you were a boy. And that's just great. And you Mm -hmm. will always be a boy.
0: Right. Affirming who they
1: are. Affirming who they are, affirming their biology. But Mm -hmm. at the same time saying, you know, there's many different kinds of boys. Some boys are, you know, are into sports and trucks and Legos. I mean, I hate the stereotypes, but the gender ideology forces that on us but but there are boys that are that are not into those things that are Mm -hmm. boys that are into dancing or fashion or whatever and that's fine don't let anyone tell you there's only one kind of boy or one kind of girl Mm. you are perfect the way you are Mm -hmm. and you know what that means I'm speaking to parents now that means that if you have a boy that's not as masculine as you might have expected that your son would be, or you have a girl that's not as quote unquote feminine as you were expecting, mm-hmm. you have to be fine with that. Right. You do not want to be giving the message that that is not okay.
0: Right. Right. Cause the parents have to really understand that they are the child's mentor, greatest influence. And again, this is why it's so important to get your book and the information that's, that's in, in there because it's a struggle because i there it is <laughs> and we're going to put all that up and we're going to connect everyone i just love the book and i love your message here so kind of on some of the things that we just been talking about so uh, affirming don't go down the road of the name or the pronoun or or that and then if we do a lot of these kids when they start with their name or pronoun they then probably go on to like puberty blockers or looking at medical options right you start a road down this path, and I guess that's what we want to play out for for parents right now. If you start with A, B, C, D, F, G is all coming.
1: Well, Deb, it, yes, and I do provide a lot more than what I'm what I'm saying right here in the book in terms of how to talk to your child. I mean, right. a name is a big deal. Okay, that conversation about names—I have a whole thing on that. Yeah, and sure. how a name is a big deal. Yeah. And, but mo- I think most importantly, we have to recognize that if we start going down that path of, quote, unquote, affirming a new identity, mm-hmm. affirming is a very Orwellian term, because what we're doing is actually denying the truth. Yeah. So when you affirm that your son could be a girl, you're denying the truth that your son is not a girl and can never be a girl. Mm -hmm. and that's not a favor you see you're not doing your child a favor it may seem that it's gonna it's gonna make him happy at the moment to call him a different name and she her and all the rest of it but in the long run it's not a favor yeah to to misrepresent the truth and to make your child believe that in the future they could actually be the other sex it's just not true right
0: and the changes, and we've heard that, you know, kids, and you know this more than anyone would know that they, in a year, they may change their gender or their, sense of fluid, or they said that they can, and kids are impressionable. You talk about so much, our kids are so impressionable. We could, we could truly talk them into anything as a parent, which is, you know, schools, anybody can influence her. So we really have to be the gatekeepers um, in, in protecting our children the, the sex the the sex hormones and the um the whole drug uh intake on our kids is just detrimental and I don't think these kids understand this by any means I don't even know if the parents understand
1: well yes of course and I, I, again the book provides all that educational material yeah. but you know what's so what what's so astonishing well there's a lot of astonishing things but one of the astonishing things Deb is that you know what what might be the, 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 um, the solution to the gender dysphoria, the unhappiness with the body, mm-hmm. it may be going through puberty is the solution. Right. And, and we know from many studies that have been done on the younger kids, not the teenagers that we have right now, but the young kids, the Jazz Jennings of the world, who present at an early age with gender dysphoria, we know that if we allow them to go through regular, organic, natural puberty, that 60 to over 90% of them will outgrow their gender
0: dysphoria. 90%, yes. And yet
1: we are blocking the puberty that may help them get over it. Do you understand? Right. It's just astonishing. Right. And I also want to mention, that once these kids are placed on blockers, which are misrepresented as being irreversible and being just a uh, just a temporary sort a pause,
0: of right? A pause, right? Just a pause. Exactly.
1: They are misrepresented because almost every child that goes on blockers goes right on to the cross-sex hormones, and when that happens, listen, they become a lifelong uh, consumer of pharmaceuticals, that means that they will need estrogen or testosterone for the rest of their lives. And they, I believe the number is per child, $1 million of revenue for the pharmaceutical
0: fund. We've heard stories like this, but when I hear you say it again, it's just devastating to hear. They become a lifelong um, pharmaceutical patient. And, and if they get any surgeries, they're a lifelong medical patient, correct? Same thing, right? Oh, they start the medical, with I
1: what? mean, the, yeah, the surgeries, it's hard to read those chapters in my book about the, the surgeries, um, especially the genital surgeries. You know, they use these euphemisms, top surgery, bottom surgery. I speak about that as well. The point of these euphemisms and not calling the surgeries really what they are, is for us to get used to them, for us to think it's no big deal to remove the healthy breasts of a 13-year-old girl. It is a big deal. It is an atrocity. Mm -hmm. And we should never get used to it. And we should never get used to the idea of castrating and removing the penis of young men.
0: Never. Horrific. Horrific. You really do say... I jumped ahead on my notes here, but I remember reading too, that you, you don't mince any words. You don't say, you know, the kids think that this is rainbows and glitter and you unicorns and this whole, you know, this is going to make me better, but it's really a lot of pain, infection, urinary bags. I mean, we've heard these stories from people that are detransitioning or their constant upkeep and how sick they are. I mean, well, sick yes. meaning physically, to, uh, physically. Yes. Yes,
1: I mean it is a medical calamity. I do want to mention though, I, I want to be totally transparent here and hundred percent. There are extremely rare individuals who go through the medical process of you know, appearing and then living as the opposite sex, and they do report that they feel it was life saving and that they have no regrets. Those people do exist. I'm not denying it. However, those people are very rare we have no evidence that shows us that they're in the majority Mm -hmm. of individuals and most importantly we have no way to predict who's going to end up regretting it and being suicidal Mm -hmm. and who's going to end up overall content and pleased that they went through it now this new group of of kids that we have the teenagers yeah. represent a brand new mm-hmm. demographic of individuals. We never had these kids before. We always in the past in psychiatry, we knew that there were people who had gender dysphoria, but they were they basically fell into two groups. I explain this in the book. They're generally the very young kids, the Jazz Jennings, mostly boys. And the other group was the, um, the middle-aged heterosexual men who are cross-dressers. And then at a certain point, Like, uh, I believe, Admiral Rachel uh, Dr. Levine.
0: Adults. uh,
1: Adults who later on, after having families, uh, and I want to say something about the Admiral in a second, um, then they decide that they want to live the rest of their lives as women. So both these groups were basically boys and men. But now we have a brand new group, and they Mm. are mostly girls. So this is totally new. We cannot lump them together with the other groups and just say, well, this is the only way forward. Gender affirming care, which all of our mainstream medical institutions are pushing that as the only solution for these kids. No, that is incorrect. These kids need psychotherapy and they need to be uh, uh, taken off the Internet and social media. And I have I have instructions in my book. I have an appendix written by an IT expert, giving parents all the ways that all the tools that you need to be in control of your child's internet use. I can't underscore how important that is. And let me just say something. I'm sorry that I'm trying to fit so much into a small amount of time.
0: I know we could talk to you for hours, but I'm just, I'm soaking it in. Just our moms are just listening. Go ahead, doctor. Okay, I just want to point out that Admiral Dr. Rachel
1: Levine, a number of years ago was interviewed. I have the link in my book. She was interviewed. I mean, the ad, I I don't use the pronouns. The Admiral was interviewed and said in this interview, I am so pleased that I transitioned, uh, as an adult, because otherwise I wouldn't have my children. And the Admiral said, I cannot imagine life without my children. Now mind you, the Admiral Dr. Levine is standing up time and time again and saying to parents of this country, if you have a child who says they're the opposite sex, there's only one treatment, there's a medical consensus, you uh, uh, you know, you rubber stamp that identity, you put the child in the driver's seat, you put them on blockers, and you put them on the cross sex hormones. And if they want, you get the surgery for them. You put them in control because they know best. That's what gender affirming care says. Now, look at that hypocrisy. They'll per-
0: never have children.
1: A person, exactly. And those people that go through the gender affirming care, many of them, are going to come out the other end sterilized, yeah. unable to have biological children. Look at that hypocrisy. That needs oh, yeah. to be called out.
0: Yeah, it sure does. Advice to the parents that maybe are in a situation right now where they have a child that has come home and said, Mom, Dad, Dad, I'm this, I'm that, they've come out as trans. What do we, how do we help our parents? I know we're going to direct them to your book, but just some couple of words of advice for them right now as they're listening.
1: Okay, I mean, don't don't panic. A lot of parents have been in your situation, mm-hmm. many. Um, compared to just a year or two ago, it's a different world out there. There are so many resources for you. Yes. And I And I provide a lot of those resources in the book. You're not alone. You don't have to go through this alone. I did a survey of parents like you, uh, and I I got 500 responses from parents from 17 countries. And I provide in the book some of those responses regarding how to parent your child, how to find a good therapist, how to deal with schools, how to deal with just the the gender ideology and, and how to do, de- you know, the internet and social media. There's so much advice out there. Try while you are not going to affirm your child. You do want to try and hold them close. So you do want to tell your child that, you know, you may not be on the same page on this, mm-hmm. but you love them so much. Yeah. And sometimes... You know, people who love each other have disagreements. It doesn't mean that that loving relationship shouldn't exist or doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. You can love someone dearly and disagree on big things. You will always be there for your child. No one is more of an expert or advocate or loving person in their life than you are.
0: That's right
1: and you have always loved them from the moment you found out you were pregnant or you from the moment you found out you were adopting, you, you, it was your most important job to take care of them and that's not changing now. Yeah,
0: yes and amen. And that's what moms do the best, right? They love their kids, they teach them and the nurture them. And this culture is coming in and saying, parents don't matter, but they do. And I, and I know um, it's it's a tough road right now to be a parent. We're, we're hearing about this all across the country. So books like yours and information like you're providing. Thank you so much, doctor. I, I could talk to you for about six hours on this, but I just wanted to give our moms a taste of what you have and what your resources. And thank you for being so vocal. Um, this is something, I mean, this is a whole generation that is going to be, confused and lost and um, ill um, and just never have a chance to to be a mom or a dad or have a normal life if we can get them through this puberty if we can get them through these situations there's a beautiful life for them and even if it's challenging
1: yes of course of course there is and I want parents to feel helpful because it is possible to get children out and I give examples of patients I've had who did move away from these beliefs so it is all you know there's darkness but there's a lot of light as well and I don't want to end on such a negative note I want I want to remind parents that your kids need you I know sometimes doesn't seem that way okay it seems like they're rejecting you and pushing you away they need you they need you so much and they want your approval Mm -hmm. so Never forget that. And also don't forget to take care of yourself because this is a big, big stress, boy. This is a big one. Get companions, get, you know, make friends, reach out to other parents. Don't go through it alone. Right.
0: Thank you, doctor. I know you're a busy woman. Thank you so much for your time. Again, everyone, please, I will remind everyone about your book, and the information that you have. And thank you for spending um, some time with us here in the Moms of America podcast. We appreciate that.
1: You're welcome.
0: Thank you. All righty, what an incredible interview with Dr. Grossman. She has got such incredible information. Again, I could have talked to her for hours. All I can say, moms, is go ahead and get the book or get the book for someone that you care about. Moms, you need this grandparents by for your, your daughters and your sons, because if they're raising kids in this generation, they're going to need it. Again, it's called Lost in Transnation. Nation. Uh, her uh, website is Miriam Grossman, MiriamGrossmanMD.com. Uh, she talked about a lot of information. Uh, please go there, check it out from that form to her book. She's got it all. Thanks again, doctor. All right. As I said in the beginning, we're here to help moms all across the country with valuable information. Uh, I do want to make sure that you go ahead and you visit our website at momsforamerica.us, sign up for our weekly newsletter, get educated on the issues that relate to you as a mom so you can become engaged in your community, teach the principles of liberty at home with your children. We are here to support you moms. So please stop by, sign up for our newsletter. Check out all of our information. When you're there on our website, I do want to have you just visit over there about the cottage meetings. Uh, We do them virtually and we do them in your home and in the community. Uh, These cottage meetings are very important because they are 12 lessons on liberty that inspire moms, they educate moms. Um, They help you learn about America's heritage, our history, and they also help you to teach those principles of liberty to your children. Again, like we talked about with the doctor, it is all about us as moms investing in our children at the kitchen table and praying with them as we put them to bed, teaching them, teaching them and teaching them. So this program will help you along with many of our other great resources that are on our moms for America.us website. I say this every week, moms, you are the heartbeat of your home and Liberty begins in your home. Um, we can't support you enough. We love you and we appreciate you. We value what you do. Motherhood is what, the greatest calling. We're investing literally in the next generation generation so we love you we hope to see you back next week for another inspiring and informative discussion with moms for moms just like you and uh, as i always say this please be inspired because we are changing our world one home at a time see you next week